Booby dooby doo, come but on, he's Stevie. He's not been seen on WhatsApp for hours, which he did do Instagram stories suggesting that he'd been out last night. Well, though he was last seen at four thirty, seven hours ago. So that's that's a decent amount of sleep, isn't it? Take your call right now, but please don't leave me a message here on voicemail. It's faster to text me or WhatsApp me or Facebook Messenger me or email me, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you. How at the tone, rude. please. <laughs> Find a quiet moment, put some headphones on. Is it just me that thinks this is like the best news in ages? I don't know what happened, but I fell in love. The creators and hosts of Sky's Entertainment Backstage podcast. Are you awake, Stevie? He's like, call me Ben. I don't think you could accuse it of being glamorous. And I said, I'm not going to call you Ben Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> I'm joined by the woman of the hour, Jodie oh, Comer. How much fun are you having teasing us all at the moment? You've got to laugh. Let's go! Hello and welcome to Backstage. And if you're wondering what you heard just a few moments ago, uh, you've just been listening to the very uh, passive-aggressive tones of New Yorker Stevie Wong's answer machine, um, which we got treated to yesterday because he didn't bother to ring in. Not only does he not turn up for the show, but then he has the rudest voicemail ever. So New York. (laughs) Don't you dare leave a message because I won't respond. Explain yourself, Stevie. Uh, Well, I assumed that our recording was today and so I decided to sleep in, even though I had nothing like, I woke up 30 minutes after you guys were ringing me. uh, Exposed uh, by your Instagram as well, that you were out having a good time the night before. Sing it away. You got time for singing, but not time for yeah, I know, exactly. I'm sorry. Toronto brings out the singer in me, so it's one of those, oh, we'll talk about Toronto later, but let's let's start <laughs> on with the show. <laughs> yes. Well, in case you haven't gathered, I'm Katie and I'm in the West London studio and Claire is... Right here next to you. Yeah, we're both in the same place. And Stevie Wong is joining us from... Toronto. Toronto, which is very fortuitous because Stevie is going to be giving us his picks from the Toronto International Film Festival. Mr. Rogers, I'm here to interview you. It is so nice to meet you. Claire's going to be giving Stevie a run for his money with her picks from the London Film Festival. Very, very excited about the British talent coming through the programme this year. And in a break from the artsy indie film chat, we're going to be talking it too and hear how Stevie got Jessica Chastain to make us all feel sick. Like, I got stuff in my eyes. What is it? And then I would, like, pull out these, like, it, was, it wasn't red. It was, like, white... First, though, um, we're not going to talk about TIFF first or or LUF first. We're going to talk about VUF, the Venice Film Festival, um, which is a bit of a weird one. They've come under a bit of stick, really, this year, particularly, well, I guess only two of the 21 films that are in competition are from female directors. And never mind that as well. One of the films they do feel comfortable showing is a film by a man who pleaded guilty to drugging and sleeping with a 13-year-old girl, uh, Roman Polanski. So, yeah, what, what have we met? of uh, certainly the headlines that Venice has been making over the last week. They're certainly not fussed about being particularly woke as a festival, are they? Just doing their own thing, aren't they? Don't care about quotas and don't care about people that have dodgy records. Uh, But they care about getting, you know, talked about in the news. And so I feel like this is probably the festival for Woody Allen to be showing his next film. And, you know, it's just it's one of those places where they're like, yeah, we'll take you. It's all good. (laughs) It's a weird one because Venice, I think, has 
previously or historically been considered sometimes the top of the film festivals, the one, the biggie. So it is weird that they're not taking more of a stance in terms of diversity and kind of leading the way. It feels like they should be, really. The the whole argument as well, so, so Polanski's film is called Jacuzzi and it was certainly getting a lot of headlines over the fact that this... Uh, in the the interview that he put out in the press notes for the film, I think we haven't actually seen him at the Venice Festival. He's just put press notes out with the film saying that he could relate to the character that was in uh, the film that, that it's about. So it's a thriller about a French Jewish army officer called Alfred Dreyfus who was falsely accused of treason in the 19th century. And he put in these press notes that the film has certain themes that he can relate to in his own case. Because I think now, uh, since he, he uh, confessed and pleaded guilty to sleeping with a 13-year-old, he now argues that uh, he was pressured into making that plea and that he denies that he did anything wrong and that he's tried to get the case dismissed since then, hasn't he? He's made it clear he feels he was badly treated. Yes, yeah. But certainly, I think a lot of the critics have said it's a little bit obscene to be comparing yourself to this historical character who the cases are entirely unrelated. The, the irony about all of this is that those who could, who have watched it and tried to be objective, the, they say that the film's actually not bad. And so it's just such a weird thing because as a journalist, you want to cover the fact that this is this backstory. But at the same time, if you're covering film, here's a movie that's not a... You know, it's actually pretty good. Kind but of, it shows a certain yourself. arrogance, though, doesn't it, to be yeah, comparing sure. himself? I think certainly his press people, if they want to in any way be savvy about this, should perhaps say, "Well, Roman, if you want to avoid headlines, don't compare yourself to this. Let's just just completely separate your own art but, from." But does yourself. he want to? Avoid headlines. You, you know think, that old saying, uh, no press is bad press? Yeah. I hate to be the cynic, but I always am. Well, have we all mm. read the um, uh, Scarlett Johansson stuff today as well? Because she's been doing lots of press. For yeah, Scarlett, uh, as always, uh, making headlines for the controversial reasons. It's not the first time that she's said something that hasn't gone down particularly well with everybody and uh yeah so she's saying that she would definitely work with woody allen again because she believes him and of course this she said all... she's spoken to him about it and she is as a friend believing his side of yeah. the story which she's i guess him as a, in I mean... the past and we've seen similar situations since me too with other people supporting people that they're friends with um but it just feels a bit I don't know, tone deaf maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of wish that if they, if you're not part of that situation and you don't really know what happened, maybe the best thing is to say nothing. But I guess if you've been someone's muse for a number of films, then it is a question that you will be asked a lot, isn't it? And it's something that seemingly, until the Me Too movement, had everyone re-examining uh, the accusations, which of course came from Dylan Farrow, uh, one of Woody Allen's adopted children um, who's grown up now but says he sexually abused her when she was a child and the police did investigate. He's never uh, been charged for it and he's always denied the allegations. Um, but since uh, since Me Too, many actors have distanced themselves from him, uh, including, off the top of my head, Timothy Chalamet, Kate Winslet um, and, and many more, Selena Gomez. So interesting that Scarlett 
is uh, is out there choosing on her own. to do her own thing. Yeah, but we're going to be talking about the reason why Scarlett Johansson is doing so many press interviews um, a bit later on with you, Claire, aren't we? But first, shall we move on to uh, do a bit more of a, a chat about the reason Stevie Wong is in Toronto for the Toronto International Film Festival? It's TIFF time. It is TIFF time. I Today's the first day of TIFF, and so the films are beginning, the celebrities are starting to fly in on their private jets, you know, and um, we are, we are going to get a barrage of celebrity photos and storylines <laughs> and stuff over the next um, probably week and a half. So, yeah. uh, you know, this is the first day of the, my next, you know, 10-day bubble that I'm going to be trapped in for a while. But it's, it's, it's always exciting because uh, we hear about the movies that have done well at, at Venice, uh, also through Telluride, and now I get to see, you know, kind of make my picks uh, for, for the fall. So this and is going to be a fun... of course, don't forget about the fact that Green Book uh, premiered at TIFF last year and it went on to win Best Oscar, didn't it? Best and yes. before yeah. it came to TIFF, no one had really heard of it. It really sort of truly came out of nowhere. So uh, we could be looking for something else like that this year. So that's yeah, why we thought it... we'd stick to having a bit of a film chat this week so we can talk about the movies that people are really sort of getting. The, the Oscar buzz is just quietly starting to creep up now, isn't it? I, I think at this point we're starting to get a better understanding because it felt like a little bit of a sea of like, eh? You know, up until you know, these festivals have started to show the films, the reviews have started to come out too, and and now we're gonna we're gonna start we're, we're gonna play. You know, this is the time to yeah. to get serious about about the awards thing. And so let's start off with the first one. Uh, this film called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. You okay? Profiling Mr. Rogers. Lloyd, please don't ruin my childhood. This piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? We are trying to give the world positive ways of dealing with their feelings. So like I don't what? know if you remember, uh, Rod, we, we had a conversation early, like maybe last year, about Mr. Rogers, and there was yeah. a documentary called uh, Would You Be My Neighbor? And so... It's uh, a very, you know, he's a very uniquely American character, though, isn't he? I don't think we ever yeah, showed that over here. Someone that, yeah, is not known, really, in the UK. So the buzz for this film, it's interesting to see how it's going to go internationally, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, the the idea, basically it's based on an article, an Esquire article, about a journalist that went to talk to heroes. That was the kind of, uh, the note that was given out to all these journalists to go out and talk to their heroes. And so he did this interview with Fred Rogers, thinking that it was just going to be like, oh, it's going to be a nice story about uh, me meeting this guy that I watched when I was growing up. But in the process, kind of discovers himself and, and, and realizes the real essence of what this man brings to the world. And so it's... It's focused around that storyline, um, and the the journalist is played by Matthew Rees, uh, who's a Welshman, and and uh, you know he is. Um I don't know, he's going to play this journalist and he's going to be moved by Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers. I mean, I that's saw the, the trailer. big news, isn't it? It's Tom Hanks yeah. and Sonia positioning this as their, their big sort of Oscar contender, it does feel like, certainly. But Mr Hanks hasn't always previously had the best relationship with the Academy in terms of it's often felt that he's not got nominations where he should have. So do we think he'll be in the running for an Oscar? Uh, this is a. I feel like it's a shoe in um, because this is a weird year. We have. Um, I don't think there's that many front runners going on in the in the best male category. And and you know when 
you know, when I talked to the director a couple of weeks ago for another for another thing, um, I was like, are you editing down to the wire? Is this something that you're, you know, you're nervous about? And she's like, oh, no, we wrapped and, and locked this film like six weeks ago. So I'm just sitting around waiting for the Toronto premiere. And I was like, what? <laughs> that, never, that never happens because most of the time they're like fidgeting or kind of, you know, down to the, you know, the people are like, they're freaking out and stuff. But she's really calm. And uh, Marielle Heller is her name. And she seems extremely confident about her movies so and well um, she knows all about award season because uh can you ever forgive me had yes. plenty of um uh, traction last year and obviously that was the film that richard e grant was nominated for and if you don't remember the fun that richard e grant had during the run-up to the oscars <laughs> oh, then what are you so even doing definitely need an equivalent <laughs> story of that for this year so i think i think this movie has a very strong chance of winning audience award if it's even like uh, like a quarter of this niceness that like you see in this trailer it's going to be like a real lovely film and so I think this might be the film to beat uh, um, during this festival at least Ooh, a top tip from Stevie there so if Tom is going to get a best actor nod are we going to see Renee getting a best actress nod Somewhere. you need to take better care of yourself you understand everybody has their troubles I've had mine. I just want what everybody wants. I seem to have a harder time getting it. Stevie, are you going to go and see Judy? I may have already seen Judy. <gasps> no way! Um, How did you yes. get a preview screener? Well, here's... No, I didn't get a screener. I was in L.A. to do the It junket, which we'll talk about later on the show, and a friend of mine calls me, and she's like, oh, what are you doing this afternoon? I'm like, I don't know, hanging out. And she's like, do you want to go see Judy? And I was like, yes. Ooh, so, gosh, I can just uh, imagine you squealed <laughs> at such a high pitch level yeah, to that, Stevie. I've tried to play it calm, but no, I was <laughs> yeah. like, yes, please! Um, and so it was for an organization that has another awards uh, during the year, um, and so they, they were like, they got a preview to watch this film and it was lovely because they put you in this, this space with a with one of those reclining couches oh, and stuff and they give you nice. cashmere they give you cashmere blankets and you can order as much food as you want so I was such like, a so Judy be... way to watch a Judy <laughs> Garland right? film Stevie doesn't actually watch any of it because he's too busy troughing all the free snacks <laughs> <laughs> I'm like there was a movie I don't remember um, and you know I have to say Renee Zellweger is really good she in this, put in so this film she puts so much effort in in, though it was like two hours a day in makeup, wasn't it? To get yes. a, the prosthetics and the contact lenses and wigs and things. Yeah, and it's an interesting it's an interesting um, period that they have because so it's thirty years after she shot to fame during the Wizard of Oz. She's kind of um, not as popular anymore in the United States. So she actually came out to London to perform uh, at the Talk of the Town, and it was kind of her last resort because no one else wanted to hire her in the United States. And so the UK plays a big part in 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 this storyline and how she's basically by herself and she has to perform every night and she loses it pretty much and so it's it's about that kind of really tense period and we watch her break down and, and, and it's, Is it a, Renee it's a singing as well though because yes. we know that yeah. she can sing so she yes. I mean it's a hard voice to try and impersonate though does she does she do it well 
she does it really well. And they've done a really smart thing where they give you little snippets uh, of it in the beginning. And then you it's like a Bohemian Rhapsody where like by the end, it's like she does this one big spoiler performance. And, and it's just such a lovely moment. Um, but and, Bohemian you know, Rhapsody, I, they weren't singing though, were they? So it is oh no. going to be interesting is, to see whether a, she lives um, up to what fans expect from Judy Garland singing. Well, there's obviously I, they're obviously feeling confident because that she's also releasing or they're also releasing the soundtrack as an, its album mm. and on that she's teamed up with Sam Smith and Rufus Wainwright. Really? Yeah, so there's going to be a Rene Zellweger Sam Smith duet. He said I think it was one of the highlights of his career duetting with her. Gosh. So not bad. That is, that is going to be interesting. You know, I, it, it's also interesting because they kept on showing... Uh, she, she was flashing back to her, young, her youth. And so when she was shooting Wizard of Oz and she was in that system, that studio system, and how they kind of abused young children at that time. So that's a bit of a storyline that kind of informs who she is as an adult and why she is uh, the way she is like as an adult. And, you know, interesting fact, this was, uh, these performances was about almost six months before she died. And so this really is the tail end of her life. And so this is an interesting uh, film to, to observe if, if even if you're not a fan of Judy this is it's like a nice character study for you to kind of check out um and nice to have so, Renee back yes it's she's back I'm, I'm telling you that Second much Oscar she's back. back though do we think mm, it's a, mm. it'll be tough but yes I think she's got a very good chance she's got a very good chance this year well, other Oscar contenders as well that we we won't go into too much detail about Joker, but we should just say people are now sort of critics are reviewing it, aren't they? Because it's already been seen by a few people. It came eight, out at Venice. Yeah, it premiered eight minutes standing ovation at Venice as well, and it's heading your way to Toronto then, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> this is the last time we'll be meeting. You don't listen, do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts. Joker's been interesting because, you know, obviously they 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 have a they think that they have an awards film on their hands. There's been a real serious mix of reviews mm -hmm. and people are very excited and then there's another group of people who are like this is a manipulative almost, you know, toxic piece of cinema and it's like so I'm going to watch it by myself and decide what I think about this movie, but I'm a little bit anxious because I'm not sure I'm going to like it as much as I thought I would. That and is so, exactly how I feel. I need to watch it myself to make up my mind. But yeah, I'm worried that uh, like some other films that have done really well um, from in the award season recently, uh, that they may have like a darker core than, uh, than mm. they let on kind of up front. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and those expecting a big DC superhero, you know, type film, you're not getting that. So, so let, let's just let's just you know put that out there first. This is a character study of a man who loses his sanity, and he then incites evil among I honestly the cannot so... see how it can be bad because it, it, it looks incredible and the story sounds incredible and Joaquin Phoenix looks like he's nailed it but there's but this dark since when have we when have we ever been disappointed by a trailer <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's this, I think I think there's no argument that the I think the problem is that is where it's sort of 
blames like it's almost like the joker becomes the hero like an anti-hero mm -hmm. and society is blamed for the way for him being the way he is and actually in our current world where i think people you know like incels are a big problem do we need to give them an anti-hero uh banging the drum oh gosh that's very deep <laughs> i just wanted to enjoy a new joker film <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll put an asterisk there. We'll all go yeah, and watch we'll it and we'll come think back about to it. it and yeah. Return and, and dissect it in detail. Um, I wanted to ask you very quickly, because I'd only just heard about um, Honey Boy recently. Shia, uh, Shia LaBeouf is writing films now, is he, Stevie? Yeah, that, that well, it's an extremely meta film. It's about a young boy who basically is an actor and he's got this like kind of crazy stage dad and really the repercussions of what it's like to be a young child's so actor it's, in, it's in Hollywood. It's meant to be him basically, isn't it? Yes. It's 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 self it's a bit autobiographical, but I think there might be little flourishes that make yeah. it a little bit more dramatic. And so the actor who plays the adult him is Lucas Hedges, who you may remember from Manchester by the Sea. Um, and Shia then plays his father. And so it's a, it's an interesting film. And I heard, you know, because this film premiered at Sundance, that is a beautiful movie and it's really touching. And so I'm really looking forward. I'm actually going to see it today. So I'm very, very excited to watch Honey Boy today. The other one I'm insanely curious about now as well, um, J.J. Rabbit. It's just such a, a weird premise. Yeah, but we love Taika Waititi, don't we? Oh, we love Taika. <laughs> Uh, yes, so officially we have a anti-racist film starring a imaginary Adolf imaginary Hitler. Hitler. <laughs> yes, as you do. Yeah. but it's it's yeah. um it, that was added by uh, Waititi though because he was meant to, he was writing an adaptation of the book that it's based on is Caging Skies, but he said that he was reading it and he struggled with the tone of it that it felt too serious. So he thought, why not? Add an imaginary Hitler as you do. And doesn't he play the imaginary <laughs> Hitler? Yeah. So maybe he, he just really wanted to pop himself in the film. And, uh, if, if an imaginary <laughs> Have you seen Hitler that was the one way yet, to go. Stevie? No, that's later in this this week. But you know, there were rumors because you know uh, Fox Searchlight has now folded into the Disney world, mm. and um, the big boss was a little bit worried that this film, which really you know, there's this. I mean, Adolf Hitler <laughs> is is running around in this movie with this young child, and so. Just the visuals of that is a little bit jarring, and so um, they were a little bit worried. Yeah, it's not very Disney, and so um, they, I wonder what uh, they thought they were getting when they bought Fox Searchlight. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But you know, all, all all accounts say that you know it's a positive movie about being not racist. So you know, um, and it, it, it'll be interesting to see what this film is. Yeah. And Taika is such a smart funny director i'm sure the take is going to be a lot uh, it's going to be interesting for us to 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 watch so jojo rabbit definitely yeah. is one of these like highlights for the festival for me right because we can't go into everything in a lot of detail is there anything else that you, you want to quickly shout at us before we move on to the london film festival then stevie Yes, well, you know, TIFF will world premiere a bunch of movies, including The Goldfinch, which is based on the uh, Pulitzer Prize winning novel that apparently no one has ever finished. I, I don't have, know if you've ever I tried have. to. Have you? I have. <laughs> well done. I actually read it before I had children when I had time. Oh my <laughs> okay, God. right. You do need uh, so time. That, <laughs> that is happening, and actually we'll get some interviews for that. And then um, Motherless Brooklyn, which is Ed Norton's directorial, I think it's like his second or third try. Um, he plays the lead, and he 
it's a it's a noir, uh, and it's going to be interesting. And and he has Tourette's, so that's the little <laughs> interesting story. See, why uh, direct and be in it? I know this is a tangent, but I always think it's a bit greedy, <laughs> isn't it? Either direct or be in it. Yeah, but sometimes it's like, oh, it's just easier for me to do it than to explain to you what I want. That's exactly. not directing, then, is it? That's essentially just like being a control freak. <laughs> well, you said well, it. Let, let, let's <laughs> see how control freak. Why are you looking freak? at me like that? <laughs> Uh, let's see how control freak uh, he is in, in terms of this film. Uh, the reviews have been mixed, but you know, I, you know, I think it's a film that people really want to see. We also have the world premiere of Knives Out, which seems to have every single celebrity in it, like Daniel Craig. It's like, who and, knows? Yeah. And it's comedy it's, it, Daniel Craig. We love comedy yes. Daniel Craig. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. This is going to be a fun one. And it, because it's a murder mystery, I love a good funny murder mystery. And so this is going to be an interesting uh, film to watch. Uh, and then and there's a whole bunch of these world premieres uncut gems from the Safdie brothers apparently adam sandler is is in a dark twisted little film you know and it's, mm-hmm. and so that'll be interesting and so yeah i think have you remembered your of... deep vein thrombosis socks stevie that's a lot of sitting down and a lot of not oh, moving yeah. But I think there's a lot of running around because the oh, okay, second the film ends, <laughs> yeah, you have to like run to the next thing. And so that may help me out a little bit. Next so, time we talk yeah. to you, we want an update from your pedometer as to how many miles you've covered from screening to screening. <laughs> oh, TIFF is a good pedometer land. So the, yes, I expect to be... 10 pounds thinner, hopefully, by the end of this <laughs> festival. <laughs> well, some of the films that are previewing at TIFF are also due to be coming to London for the London Film Festival. And you've been getting a bit of a, a taste, haven't you, of what's to come later in this year? I have indeed. So uh, London Film Festival, LFF, had a lovely uh, launch where they revealed the full programme. And I went along to that uh, ever with my backstage hat on. I had a quick chat with the festival director, Trisha Tuttle. Um, it's her second year. Um, programming the festival and uh, I asked her you know what what was what the highlights were and of course for us the chances of the films that are showing in award season so have a listen to this so we're screening 229 feature films including restorations of classic films from the archive um, but there are films from all over the world we've got 78 countries represented um, you will have seen that 40% of the program is directed by or co-directed by women a really strong year I mean as we're an international festival with those 78 countries but also very very excited about the British talent coming through the programme this year, um, London talent as well too, so opening with Armando Iannucci, Scottish filmmaker, London set film, Dev Patel is so funny in the film, I didn't realise how, what great comic timing he has, but it's great, and it's a period adaptation, this is the um, personal history of David Copperfield from Armando Iannucci, and um, what's great about it is, it, it is a period piece, and it's an adaptation of Dickens, but it feels so fresh and modern, partly because Dev is so incredible in it and the cast is one of the best casts of the festival um, but that new talent that new British talent coming through is exciting for us to see and genuinely I think we're so lucky in the UK because we do have such strong filmmakers, we've got strong uh, in front of the camera talent who, as you see every year in awards with strong showing of, of filmmakers from the UK but it's so nice to see that talent being renewed as well too uh, The film festival season is always like a little window ahead looking to what might be coming down the road in award season. Yeah. I was wondering if there's any top tips you can give our listeners for 
he, the films he might go to catch at London Film Fest that we might all be talking about yeah. in December, January. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, the, the track record the last few years of the entire gala tier um, indicates, you know, th this is a major stop for award season contenders. So, obviously, opening night, um, the personal history of David Copperfield, Knives Out from Ryan Johnson, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Um, then we're also, Noah Bombeck is coming with Marriage Story. I mean, there are just, it's every night there'll be ma major, major films. Strong lineup. Strong yeah. lineup. I mean, for me, I think the, the biggest film and the one that we have to start off talking about has got to be The Irishman. Now, oh, how long have we been waiting for this film to come out? Scorsese's latest. This one, is Scorsese's of later and his most expensive that he's ever worked on. Hey, my friend, I got that kid I was talking to you about here. I'm gonna put him on the phone, let you talk to him, okay? Hello? Is that Frank? Yes. Hiya, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. It sees him with De Niro, Pacino, Stephen Graham. And they've also used this de-aging technology, which when we first started talking about it, I think I and several other people were quite sceptical, saying, oh, no, do we need to see uh, Robert De Niro as, as a young Robert De Niro? But actually, we've now seen the trailer and we know that it looks good. It looks so this good. This is why it's cost them so much and why they've had so many years that it's been put back. So I think it's about 10 years that he's been working on it on and off, isn't it? But yeah. I think the, the budget went up from $100 million to 200 million for oh because of the, the costs of the stars because there were so many good people that he ended up casting but also it's this aging technique i think they were waiting for the technology to be good enough to make it look legitimately like they are younger and for film buffs robert de niro actually he recreated one of his goodfellas scenes in order to show them how amazing oh, this uh, de-aging technology this is was be good isn't it well i don't think that's in the actual film but it just shows like the commitment to checking that this technology is really gonna was really going to be worth it i think it's i think it is going to be a really good movie and this is netflix throwing the kitchen sink at award season. <laughs> they came really close last year. You know, with Roma, they got heaps of nominations and they won um, Best Foreign Film. Well, and... Netflix only stumped up the money at the end, though, didn't they? So they're the ones that are sort of getting the praise now because they've joined in and said, yeah, of course, we'll hand you the money to finish this, Martin Scorsese, and we'll take the credit. And this is our prestige product uh, uh, production for this year. Um, do you know what? Talking of awards as well, I was very uh, someone wrote down that if you combined all of the actors that are in this uh, they've been nominated for 19 oscars 35 golden globes 27 emmys and they've taken home five oscars five golden globes seven emmys it's just incredible yeah so this oh like i gosh. say this is netflix kind of buying their oscar they buying really want place. they really want a best film oscar and and this is kind of where they're hoping that they're going to get it um so it's apparently Three and a half no. hours no. long. No, <laughs> not doing it. No, that is long, I'm isn't it? I mean, to it until then. Films That's are ridiculous. always too long, but this is really That's really ridiculous. Too long. Oh, what's wrong with Scorsese? Yeah, so, I mean, The Wolf um, of Wall Street was too long as well, wasn't it? Someone, why doesn't someone tell him you don't make films that are three and a half hours? Well, he, he I, you going to tell like him when, when you're already <laughs> making this film, you're just like gonna just like it's four and a half, it's three hours, three and a half, and they're like, all right, go ahead, you know, because it's like they've already paid all this money, they might yeah. as well get all, all the bang for the Netflix money. Netflix are the just big, 
charging per minute. It's like, oh, exactly. I'm getting well, the value here, for money. There's a bit of a, 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 a like a problem at this point because still a lot of the cinemas in the United States are not going to play this movie, uh, and so Netflix originally wanted to do a two window, two week window before it kind of streams on on the platform because you know this film is should be seen on the big screen, yeah. Yeah. but a lot of the major kind of distributors of of uh, cinema here in the United States they're not gonna they're not gonna show it, and so. Um, a lot of the audience are going to have to watch this now on the small screen, which is probably not where it should be seen. And so, you know, that might be a problem come a wartime, which is Roma's problem too. You know, not not a lot of people like discovered until it was on on Netflix, and a lot, not a lot of people watched it because really it was, it was a cinema piece and not really a television film. Yeah, so. but I think Roma was a tougher prospect. It was all black and white. It was subtitled. Yeah. It was. It was a harder sell. It was less accessible, yeah, for your average audience member. I mean, this has already got huge amounts of audience built in. You know, if you're a Scorsese fan, if you're a Pacino fan, you know, there are people that are going to watch this no matter what. And there are people that will be pleased that they can just sit at home and watch it and not have to go to the cinema. (laughs) Um, But The Irishman is closing London Film Festival. uh, And so opening in it, the very first film that's premiering there is... Uh, Amanda Iannucci's new one, The Personal History of David Copperfield. It's so, such a weird combination of people, though, isn't it? Yeah. Amanda Iannucci doing Dickens. I think, but it looks funny. We, yeah. It, I mean, we, <laughs> it does. I'm just very surprised. And I only heard, heard about it in the last week when all of these announcements came out. We heard Trisha earlier talking about Dev Patel doing this amazing comedy turn in it, and I'm hearing that from loads of people apparently dev patel is brilliant in this and of course he has uh awards history because he was nominated for an oscar for his turn the in lion, lion. Oh, I love so lion. Such um, a good film. even if uh we don't see david copperfield in the oscars conversation i reckon this will be big at the baftas so it is one to keep an eye on if you're into your awards but they're doing the, it, they stick to the proper Dickensian sort of language as well, don't they? Which is, I, I just honestly don't even understand what to expect from this. I think it's got he's, great elements. I'm obsessed with Hugh Laurie and he's in it, so it's a thumbs up from me. He's he's such a great writer, and so just the idea that he's gonna you know do his take on on on, on you know Dickens is gonna be a hoot. So I can't wait to watch this one, and luckily I get to watch it also at TIFF. So hee <laughs> <laughs> hee. You have to tell us all about it, and a lot, yeah. it's made headlines as well, I guess, because it's colorblind casting, isn't it? This is the first time it hasn't been a, a white actor playing the lead role, of course, because Dev's uh, British but with of Indian descent. Um, but it's he's such a good actor, and I think that's why Ianucci wanted him because he's very good at showing this sort of fragile persona that can play strong as well and and also I think possibly one of the best liked actors in Britain I don't know I feel like I talk to a lot of people about Dev Patel and not one of them's gone oh, I don't really like him everybody loves Dev Patel I'm very excited if we get to talk to him about all Oscars and stuff we will yeah. we will make sure we do we'll uh, rugby Yay. tackle him and demand a conversation <laughs> now, I know we don't have time to go into detail about loads of them but can we talk about greed because oh, not in depth just I know <laughs> this is us trying to temper ourselves and not go into detail but greed sounds exciting so it's a satire from michael winterbottom i'm starring steve coogan and it very much sounds uh not too dissimilar to the life of um billionaire philip green um it's gonna be 
good, I reckon. And probably won't end up being nominated for Oscars. But it's um, it's interesting because they biffed um, Sacha Baron Cohen out of the role by all accounts. And, and he, Steve Coogan and Winterbottom have worked together quite a lot in the past, haven't they, on uh, the trip? And isn't it, Coogan do? feels like the right casting for a kind of haughty billionaire, doesn't he? I could see him doing really well in that role. <laughs> and the color of his teeth. That is, it's just like, it's so bright that you need sunglasses when he opens his mouth and you're like, ah. So um, I just, for that alone, I'm ready to watch this, uh, <laughs> this, this film. Right. Another one that's making headline, the aeronauts. Won't go into too much detail, but could be, could we see Eddie Redmayne getting sort of discussed? I saw a clip from the aeronauts and I was not wowed. In fact, I was like, bit of an eye roll. This doesn't look great. But I've just spoken to someone who saw it and they said it was brilliant and they think that it will be in the awards conversation. Obviously, Eddie Redmayne has won and been yeah. nominated for Oscars in the past, uh, Felicity Jones. So it's it's got some prestige there. Perhaps I mean, a, I've been too sceptical based on what I saw. It's a slightly naff-looking concept, though, isn't it? Because it's like a hot air balloon yeah. thriller. And, and also, basically, uh, Felicity Jones plays a woman that doesn't actually exist. So Eddie Redmayne plays a scientist and in reality, he his, it was his partner was a man that he went up into oh, the clouds okay. with. But obviously uh, they went, oh, it's 2019. We can't have two men in the lead. So they uh, they biffed uh, this poor guy who's been written out of history and invented this Felicity <laughs> Jones character <laughs> instead. So uh, um, a bit of a weird one, possibly. Oh, well. Um, there's two last films that <clears throat> we, we can talk about really quickly. We did talk about Scarlett Johansson kind of creating a little bit of uh, controversy about doing press. And the reason why she's been doing a lot of press lately is because she's in this film called Marriage Story with Adam Driver. Oh, it and looks it, amazing. Yes. See, that's big uh, at is, the London Film Festival as well as Toronto, Yeah, that's going to be at London as well. It's by Noah yes. Bumbuck. It's got Adam Driver in as well, as you say. They play a couple who are divorcing and it just looks like a real amazing study of well, marriage. Based, based on his own marriage breakup, isn't it? Uh, he was divo- Wasn't he married to Jennifer Jason Lee? So it's all sort of about their loosely based around sort of things that happen to... A little insight into yeah, their world. the sort of hideous yeah. fights and arguments with lawyers and things like that. But it's interesting the way that he pitched this to Scarlett Johansson as well, because he didn't realise that she was about to go through a divorce at the same time. And I was reading one interview where he said, oh God, as soon as she told me that, I said, well, you're either going to hate this idea or find it kind of healing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there's loads of depths to this, really. The fact that you've got the director directing something that's so personal and you've got the lead actress in it going through something very personal at the same time. And another film that's getting major buzz and we'll have a bit of a conversation during the Oscar season is you guys are calling it Le Mans 66. Yeah, what are uh, you calling it? We're calling it Ford versus Ferrari because we're not, you know, we can't, we <laughs> can't, can't say La Man. Yeah, <laughs> we can't do French. Um, and it's about this, you know, car race between, you know, Ferrari, which the Italians considered to be their best car and this American uh, car maker named Ford coming in and they have this race and, and it's, it's between Matt Christian... Damon and Christian Bale did we mention exactly. it's Matt, ben... <laughs> Matt Damon and Christian Bale again. yes and it is quite the performances we can expect I mean yes. that so in itself think... surely with those two actors that is going to put it in contention for a few awards oh I think I think we've got a best actor and a best supporting actor I don't know which one plays what but like mm. you know I'm going to still see it but it, I've heard all accounts that this film is a really decent 
good movie and so everybody's going to be having a great time watching it so that's something that we can talk about later in the year well i suspect the following film uh, won't be winning any awards uh, it chapter two is uh the return of uh pennywise the clown uh it's good fun though if you're into horror come on a bit of a guilty pleasure um the second part of stephen king's story uh this focuses on the losers club being reunited 27 years after the event of uh what happened in the first film and Pennywise is back to haunt them again. I do apologize. It gets so very hot here this time of year. It's fine. Well, you feel like you could just about die. <laughs> but you know what they say about Derry? Hmm. No one who dies here ever really dies. So we should say that it may not be the kind of movie that we're going to be talking about come Oscar season, but this, well, certainly the first It reboot was absolutely mega, wasn't it, Stevie? Isn't it the all-time biggest selling like horror movie ever? I mean, I, I, I think there was a number that came out. It was almost almost a billion dollars. And so this film just made so much money that they kind of had to make part two almost immediately. And because part one, all the young kids were so popular, they originally weren't going to be part of this second series uh, episode. And, and instead, they had to bring them back because they were just, you know, the focus. I mean, people just loved them so much. And so this film is really really long. It's almost Irishman level long. It's two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> Which is too long for anything but particularly for, I basically I wussed out of watching this. I was supposed to watch it and I just I was like I can't. Two hours 45 minutes that's too long. I'm too scared. It is a lot of scares. If you think a normal film a good one it would have maybe five scares this one easily has 15. So Ooh. you come out so weary and just so freaked out because you've just been tense for so, such a long, long time. And uh, Good cast yeah. as well. James McAvoy, Jessica cast. Chastain. Bill Hader, you know, like these are yeah. people who who were actually precast because there was fan casting going on immediately. Like, oh, if they're going to do a sequel, <laughs> these are the people that we'd like to do it. And then they got them. So nice. this has been a really fun, fun kind of uh, film. And everybody in the movie is having so much fun doing it. And you can tell on the screen, they're just like when they're together as as adults and even as the kids, when they come back, everybody's just having a great time. And uh, I got a chance to talk to the director about making this, you know, chapter two. Now, do you... Yeah when you were kind of preparing for this one, you, you must now be a specialist on something like Stephen King. Like, what, what is it about him that you feel like is the, is the essence or the magic that he kind of brings to storytelling? Well, I'm not a specialist. I'm someone that, that was really, really in, into, you know, that I was imprinted by him and, and I, I learned from storytelling from him um, because I, I, I took him in my formative years. So I... I he was my hero and he was like my teacher. Um, so he sort of imprinted me. And uh, I, I guess that I have a lot of, uh, of instincts that come from, uh, from, from, from his way of understanding story and telling stories. Um, I think he understands uh, humans a lot and human psychology and human interactions. Uh, and he's also he, he also has like you know a, 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 an interesting uh, sense of justice in the world, and he knows what's what's wrong in this world. Um, now he likes to tell stories about this thing, and all, always like you know very fixated on on the supernatural and, and horror aspect, which is a great combination, you know. 
you were one of the few kind of directors who can now count on, on hand that got to direct him. And so what was that like to yeah. work with an idol and, and, and kind of be able to... to, to well, of course, a, 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 enormous satisfaction. Fear, of course, because you have in your hands something that is so important that you don't want to you don't want to break it. It's like being hand like like a, like a newborn baby, you know. It's like so fragile and uh, fragile only because it's in your hands, you know. Uh, the 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 work is like is is undisputable and questionable and and, and great. Now you have, you're responsible for taking it to the screen, uh, so it was there was a little bit of you know of concern, <laughs> concern. but then again when you start working on, on the adaptation, you start working on the movie, you you soon realize that as a director, you need to find the, a, a vision, and the vision can only be found inside. Uh, so you can draw everything that you want from the book, but it's. It's, it's, it's further than that. It's, it's drawing from your emotional experience, having read the book, and it's something that it's now too late to 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 alter because you had it before. I've had it when I was like 14 years old. Uh, so there was a that that story was already inside, and it was like living in in my heart, if you will. Um, so there was already like a, enough material inside to draw from to find uh, that vision. I was very lucky to go to Bangor, Maine, and I know you did some research while you were yeah. there. Derry looks like Bangor, and so that's been, it's so much fun to oh, see. Yeah. What was it like for you to go there and kind of experience the backdrop of, of, your, of your... It was amazing. It was amazing because for the first time, like after all these years of like reading uh, about Derry, not only in it, but in other, you know, in other uh, uh, works, um, you finally are there, uh, and you see that it, it's all real. And you, fi you find the Kandusky Extreme, and you find the canal, and you find you know the Monument Park, and you find Paul Bunyan, uh, the Barons, uh, I don't know, the library. It's all there. It just changes you know little names here and there because um, Derry. Uh, I think Stephen King did not want to uh, offend the the population of Derry of 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 Bangor by by using the same name, you know, because Derry is horrible. The things that that happen there are, are horrible. So I think he didn't uh, want people to take it personally. And you also had a bit of a chat with uh, Jessica Chastain and Jay Ryan and. Stevie, I love that you just managed to talk about the most disgusting Ugh. stuff. Like, Weeks. The, yeah, the day later. after I did that tank scene in the blood, I was like, I got stuff in my eyes. What is it? And then I would like pull out these like it was, but it wasn't red. It was like white, and I don't know. It was gross. It was yeah. gross. Jess had a lot of gross moments. <laughs> I um, I had to come back and and do an extra little scene months and months later and when I got my old costume back I put my hands in the pockets and it was full of that sand everywhere oh my and God. for days after that was in my ears up my nose in my lungs I really suffered for my heart so how on earth did you get onto that well because you know the, if you watch the film there is a crazy sequence where 
uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but you know, sh there's a lot of blood involved, and 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 in the same sequence, they uh, jump back to uh, Jay Ryan's character, and something happens to him too, and so they're just surrounded by these things, and so I just asked them, I said, "What was it like?" And then she tells me that that line. You should have seen my face. Too bad there's no video here, but like my my mouth was like, Aah! you know, like, and I was like doing like an air gag, but I couldn't make any noise, and so it was just I was like, uh, uh, but like. I love the fact that she told me that story and I just feel like, you know, want to share it with you guys. Yeah, I mean, like inappropriate reactions to do with celebrities, slightly vomiting in your own mouth. <laughs> We've all been there. It was a lot of fun and, and, and I'm really glad that, you know, I, everybody had a great time making this movie and I think it's going to be a huge, it's huge gonna hit. It's going to smash so. it at the box office, it. isn't it? Unlike many of the films that we're talking about for, for award season, really, it's ironic, isn't it, that a lot of the films that get so much attention don't always end up doing that well at the box office. Yeah, agreed. Lots of exciting things ahead for everyone. Uh, right, Stevie, you have to check in with us very soon and let us know how all the film watching has gone then in that case. Um, but we should all go our separate ways. Stuff to do in that. Um, if you've got any questions for us, make sure you email us backstage at sky.uk. Now, Stevie, who we know has a very aggressive phone message on his phone, <laughs> probably doesn't Don't want... Don't leave me a voice message, yeah. please. He doesn't yes. want a voice message, but he might like you to tweet him. And if you want to, you can get a hold of him on... Uh, I'm at Wongi1 on both Instagram and Twitter. And Claire is on. I'm on Instagram, Claire Sky Showbiz, or Twitter, Scoop Dog Sky. And I am at Sky Katie Spencer on Twitter and Spenny Picks on Instagram. Um, right, come on then, films to watch. Let's all uh, divert and, and see you back in a week or so. Bye. 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 Bye.